It's the Sunday Chronicle on Stax 92.1. It's the Sunday Chronicle. We gon' give the news and keep you up to date. From crimes to the politics, you gon' know what's up about your way. We give two thumbs up to everyone out here doing their thing. We gon' show men love to all the ones working hard in communities. It's the Sunday Chronicle. Good morning and welcome to the Sunday Chronicle. I'm your host, Giannis Jackson, coming to you from Stacks 92.1 FM. This is the platform for the community because community knows what community needs. I'd like to thank you all for being here again on this wonderful Sunday morning. And I'm just really happy to be here and connect you with information and resources to help you be the best you. Um, today, I'm very excited because we have a special guest and uh, my friend. Uh, his, we Today, we have Mr. Brent Forsberg of, and, and forgive me if I pronounce it or say the title wrong, but is it T.A. Forsberg Real Estate? Is that the... You got it. T.A. Oh, Forsberg Incorporated and Forsberg Real Estate. Yes. Okay. And, and I'm glad that you could be here today, Brent. I know that you have a busy schedule, but um, I just wanted to connect with you and pick your brain about all of the stuff you've been doing because I have been following you. I have been reading your blogs. And so just why don't you introduce yourself and talk a little bit about what you're most passionate about? Uh, I appreciate you having me on. How could I not be on a show that this tagline <laughs> is what the community knows, uh, what the community needs? Because that, uh, is, that is the crux of community building, is starting at that level of the neighborhood, the connections between people, and that is how we build our community. So I've, I'm excited to be here and, and really appreciate you giving me a platform to talk a little bit this morning about real estate and community connection in the greater Lansing area. Yes. I mean, this is good stuff. I mean, we should know this stuff. And I like um, when I follow your your writings, it really gives me so much insight um, to not only who you are, but why you do what you do and and why you're passionate about it. So um, tell me about some of the new and interesting things that you're working on professionally and personally. Yeah. So uh, I've been in the real estate development business for about 25 years uh, based in the Lansing area. Uh, I'm lucky to be third generation in in construction with a company started by my grandfather and then ran by my dad for years. What what year was uh, it started, Brent? Ooh, good question. Yes. <laughs> uh, Math time. Was, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think we were right around 54 was when we incorporated, somewhere right there. Uh, the business started, and I think it incorporated in, uh, in 58 uh, officially. Okay, well, congrats uh, to you on that, because if it's third generation, you've already outdone the statistics on new businesses as far as the, you know, startup and them staying, you know, have the staying power. So congrats on that. Well, thank you. Yeah, I've got uh, I've got a long legacy behind me that that made that possible, which is nice. And and it is based on the principles of what our company is, and that is uh, creating great spaces in the community for people. Mm -hmm. A lot of times. As we go about our day-to-day, and in real estate especially, we, we forget 
that it's not just about the real estate. You know, as we're working through zoning code and working through density and working through, you know, all of the pieces that it takes to get a project out, mm-hmm. that really everything is about the people that get the experiences from the properties that we're able to work with and and how do they interact with the communities. And that's something that's been uh, taught to me over the years mm-hmm. through my family and that we're carrying forward as we continue to try to create those better experiences in our region. So you're creating better spaces. So your um, developments, they're a reflection of the community. So tell me how you gauge what exactly to build and, and how it will fit each community, neighborhood, region, et cetera. Yeah. You know, our philosophy is starting with what, what are the needs in the area where we're looking at, at doing a project? So, you know, it can start a few different ways. If we owned a piece of property already or somebody came to us with an idea, you know, looking first with, with what is the allowable uses there under the current zoning that all communities have. And then it really starts with the engagement of the community around the property. And, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and how do people want to live? Because everything that we're doing, the, the whole reason for the regions that we build in our neighborhoods is to create a place for us to have a sense of belonging, to, to feel part of our community, to have opportunity to grow. Because that's that's why we build these habitats for, for humanity and what we're supposed to be doing with them. So we try to start with that point mm-hmm. and then start looking at how, how can a real estate project build those values of, of what, what we find through our interviews and meetings and going to the community groups and finding out what is the local culture and what are the needs uh, for, for that area. And that's that's wonderful that you have taken um, the gra- – I don't want to say grassroots, but you have boots on the ground. And um, one thing that I notice as well, you're also an advocate for the environment, correct? Yeah. You know, it, when, when we look at, at the places where we live, we look at it from what we call the four forms of capital. Mm-hmm. So – Finance capital is the one that we always think of, right? That's a traditional banking that that our entire economic system's built on. Mm-hmm. But there's more to that in how communities are built. So we have the natural capital, and that's where we can either extract resources through mining or harvest resources through cultivation. Mm-hmm. And that's where we get our materials from. So we have to be aware of and where we get our sustenance from. So okay. as we look at that natural capital, it's important that we allow it to regenerate, and it's and it's not mutually exclusive from building. You know, it can all work together, like much like gardening. Mm-hmm. And then we have the social capital, which is the interactions, the connections between people. And, and we are uh, a big believer in complexity theory, which looks at how networks build through the more connections, the stronger a network is, the more resilient and the more opportunity that's created for people within that network. Mm-hmm. And then we have the built capital, which is the buildings that, that are supposed to represent those values to help us be able to create the spaces. You know, the common word for it is placemaking, you know, creating a sense of place where people want to be. Okay. And, you know, we look at it that the placemaking is kind of that last piece. So we want to look at the infrastructure behind the placemaking and all the networks that can be created and making sure that we're putting a strong foundation for placemaking to be able to continue for generations in an area. Well, I wanted to ask you a little bit about um, affordable housing, right? And I wanted to 
talk a little bit about the Lansing and greater Lansing area and when in regards to affordable housing. I know this is um, a very complex issue, but what would you say uh, from your vantage point um, are some of the things or one of the things we can do as a community to move the needle as far as getting some, not just affordable housing, but quality affordable housing. Because uh, sometimes I look around and the things are being developed and, and it doesn't really seem to be a reflection of the community. I mean, can they enjoy these new developments? Can they afford these new developments? Are they built for the community or for a more transient uh, lifestyle. Um, so what, what's your take on that, Brent? Yes, it's a big conversation. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, uh, right. <laughs> so you know, first it's starting with with looking at the, what's happened with the overall economy. And, you know, starting in the 1940s, uh, affordability and housing, we we switched to the 30-year mortgage, which which completely changed the model of how housing was bought and, and how projects were built from mm-hmm. the early 20th century. You know, most again was built on the company town model. So from the logging companies, the auto companies, building housing to attract people. And it was built in the affordable range for the workforce. You know, Henry Ford, while he's credited with the um, uh, production line as one of his biggest uh, contributions to manufacturing, he really changed the landscape of what the middle class was with his $5 wage raise in Detroit in 1914, 1916, somewhere mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. So that, that established that middle class that we saw was able to thrive for almost 80 years in the United States. Yes. And in the 40s, we started changing our economic models. And, by 19, and from 1940 to 1970, the economic wealth growth of the United States was spread uh, – a lot more evenly than it is now. We made a switch in the 70s that really started this economic stratification that we're in. So mm-hmm. what we've had happen is as we continue adding code to make houses safer and more energy efficient, every time we do that, we add a little bit of money to to the cost of a house. The current code that's being built right now, a, uh, it's on an 1,800-square-foot home, $6,800 per in Michigan. So we thousand uh, dollars that we add to the cost of a house, we knock about 600 Michigan families out of the affordable range of that house. And there's a rough approximation. I can get you those exact numbers. So what we're looking at, we're talking about affordability is something that we just keep compound on. And we're seeing the stratification. But talk about affordability, the few things that we look at as a company. Mm-hmm. So you have the traditional idea of affordability, which is 6% AMI or adjust in so, and that's where you see a lot of the MISTA programs when you hear about pilots and things yes. that are that are done to projects. And, to, and tell me what pilots are, Brent. They're payment in lieu of taxes. So it's a tax benefit where it's a negotiated rate that allows for when when a housing project is being built for affordable housing mm-hmm. that it it can offset some of the operating costs over time to keep the rents at a, at a rate based on whatever income level. Mm-hmm. And then we have what we call the missing middle, which is 60.1 to about 120% mm-hmm. adjusted median income. Okay. And right now, there's, there's really not any programs looking at, at that 
price point, and that's where the biggest gap in the United States. And Lansing's seeing a lot of it right now, too, because of just the cost of construction has inflated so much in the last 14 to 18 months. It's, it's hard to build. And then you get into that, that full market rate housing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's that 90% to 150% adjusted median income, which is even that right now is, is pretty hard to build with the way the costs have gone up. And now with interest rates creeping up, it's made put even more pressure on the overall cost of the housing. Mm-hmm. So it is a problem, and it's something that, that we're working on. And one of the reasons I've gone back to school and I'm working on my Ph.D. at the University of Denver is how do we address these issues? and come back at it from a full systems approach. Because if we just trying one policy at a time, we're, we're just going to keep adding, and it creates what's called a VUCA environment, which mm-hmm. is volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. Yes. Because as we try to adjust things, and we just say, hey, this policy is going to work, 10 other things move. So what we have to do is take a step back and say, okay, this model has really created, if you we run it out, and COVID really showed us it, mm-hmm. as we saw these accelerations in the inflation rate and the supply chain issues, that it's just not working. So it's, it's time. We've been 100 years building on this model, and it's one of the few industries, housing is, that, that is still building basically on the same model it was in the 1920s. It, it hasn't been able, technology hasn't caught up, so we just keep adding a little bit more, so a little bit more to the HVAC, more insulation, mm-hmm. you know, thicker materials. But we haven't actually stepped back and looked at the overall issues of, of what what have we created, and what we've created is this is this issue of affordability across mm-hmm. the United States. Yes. You know, in Lansing, as a region, we're one of the most affordable in the country, and that's a blessing and a curse. While our we haven't seen the major jumps that bigger markets has. Uh-huh. It's also kept us from getting the investment to build enough housing just to keep up with the demand that this region has. Right. So, right. you know, and, and that's that's what we're looking at with our careers in, in housing. How can we bring um, ideas to the table and build a network around this? And we, we have around the country. So it's going to be an ongoing conversation and where it really starts is at that community level, understanding right. the needs for the housing there. What job opportunities can we create? Because affordability is one piece of it, but creating better opportunities for people to have more income capacity over time also is another offset for that. Right. So it's it's addressing it from both the supply side, but also increasing capacity in the neighborhoods to be able to to afford the housing too, based on the cost that that we have to spend to build it because there is just a minimum minimum price point. Yeah. You know, we've we've looked at everything from 3D technologies mm-hmm. to using steel frame models to bioplastics. So we're we've got everything on the table as we're trying to address this right now. Yeah. And and I want to give you kudos uh for going back to school. Congratulations. Um <laughs> that is a big step because I know the PhD is not a degree. It's a journey. <laughs> <laughs> so, so and, and it can be a very lonely one, you know, and this is, you know, what I hear. So so that's how, how, how I'm going to uh, frame that. But I, I want to say kudos on that, because I think 
from my perspective, it shows someone who wants to have housing solutions that are relevant to the geographic location. It is uh, relevant to the time period, right? So we wouldn't build the same developments that we built 20 years ago, right? Maybe we'll have a mixed multiplex. You know, I am really impressed with what's going on with like Allen Neighborhood Center. I think that's awesome, right? And I think that, uh, you know, just the forward thinking in that, if we could just harness and work together to get more of that spread around and really truly be a reflection of the community, I I think that that would have some effect on that. But at the same time, it's not just a one person thing. And I I realize that. And we're going to take a short break. But after this break, I wanted to talk to you a little bit in detail about the tiny houses. I'm like so fascinated about that. And, (laughs) you know, I want to hear more about that. So I'm going to do a quick station ID and then we're going to go to break. So I want to remind my listeners that they are listening to the Sunday Chronicle heard every Sunday morning on Stax 92.1 FM. This is the platform for the community because community knows what community needs. We'll be back after this. At Lansing Community College, I'm learning for my future. LCC offers one and two year pathways to careers in healthcare, IT, manufacturing, and other professional trades. More than 500,000 professional trades jobs will need to be filled in Michigan by 2026. So I know I'm learning for a great career. I belong at LCC. You belong here too. Visit lcc.edu slash you belong and enroll today. Again this year, the Chronicle News, through our charitable arm, the Lansing Catalyst, is holding a holiday food and essentials giveaway. This is our annual effort to address hunger in our community. Our giveaway will take place Saturday afternoon, December 17th, from 1 to 4. We have two distribution locations in North Lansing at the Advancement Corporation Community Center at 500 East Thomas Street. And on the south end of town, the Pro Style Barber Shop at 2120 West Jolly Road. I'm the type to dance to her very own beat. Ask me where I am, probably somewhere singing. Around my way, they call me Jingle Queen. Because I sing about everything. I just do it, Nike. Have it your way, Burger King. Snap, crackle, pop, go, rice, krispies. Maybe it's me. You should call me the Jingle Queen. When you're in need of dope melody. You should call the Jingle Queen when you're in need. You should call me, call me the Jingle Queen. Oh, you should call the Jingle Queen. www.lorepen.com. That's L-A-U-R-E-P-E-N.com. Let me tell you a story about Bill. Bill was a normal guy in his 50s. He had back surgery about two years ago. Bill was in a lot of pain. He dealt with his pain by taking the Percocets his doctor prescribed for him. Bill took more and more and more of them to help with the pain, until one day the prescriptions weren't enough to get rid of Bill's pain. Then one day Bill found someone to help him get rid of the pain with illegal drugs he didn't need a prescription for. Fast forward to today. Bill lost his job and his family. The only thing he does have is his drug dealer. 
If you know Bill's story and you don't want to end up like Bill, call the Detox and Treatment Helpline right now to get away and get treatment. 800-210-7907. That's 800-210-7907. And welcome back to the Sunday Chronicle. I'm your host, Giannis Jackson, coming to you from Stax 92.1 FM. This is the platform for the community because community knows what community needs. Today, our special guest is Mr. Brent. Forsberg, and he's talking to us a little bit about housing and affordability of housing and the things that he's doing within his company to have his developments be a reflection of the needs of community. He's creating better spaces. And with that, we were on the topic of the Allen Neighborhood Center. So, I mean, I'd like to get your thoughts on that because that I think it's a fascinating project. Yeah, that was an amazing project. And, uh, you know, the amount of work and time and effort that it takes to do that just can't be understood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm for for that community on the east side to have such a special place. And, you know, the thing is, starting in the 1940s, the financing models for those types of projects, this mixed use was, was how we built a lot of the United States, you know, having areas where commercial and housing were all intermingled together because mm-hmm. we didn't have the, the new technology of the automobile. And, and starting about 1948, Mm-hmm. Uh, with the passing of the GI Bill, projects like that that had mixed-use components were were uh, basically made illegal in financing models. Now, Brent, so it's tell only- me a little bit, because there might be some people that are listening that aren't as familiar as we are with the Allen Neighborhood Center. Could you just give a brief overview of what it is and, and what's like a mixed-use multiplex? Yeah. So... Uh, that project was done through the Allen Neighborhood Center nonprofit, and it's a mixture of commercial space. It's got some office, and it has residential. Then it also has like a community clinic, and then a small uh, grocery co-op in it too. So mm-hmm. it allows for a hub in a neighborhood, so you can go kind of that last mile, pick up some grocery items. You have the clinic right there in the neighborhood, and then they also had some income-based housing that came with the project too, mm-hmm. that you know allowed for affordability and. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes a lot of, of community finance models and equity and donors and everything to make a project like that happen. Right. And that's one of the things that I really love to see us find different ways to get those finance because it, it is the types of spaces people love. It's a chance to connect. It has everything you need to live in a neighborhood so you don't have to get back in your car. So how and, do we do that, Brent? So if I said, you know, I really want to do this, like, do, do I call somebody like you? Do I set up meetings? How do we get more of these in places that will benefit us? Yeah. You know, and, and this comes down to uh, how we think about our housing and ownership. And some of the things that we're looking at um, are ideas like community investment trust that would allow the community to be able to invest alongside developers for projects that could be similar to Allen Neighborhood and and receive benefit back from it from some of the income you know and it's and that way having it in the neighborhood and having it as a long-term investment it 
it gives the opportunity for it to stay stable longer in the neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. You know, there's other ideas that are out there right now, like community land trusts, and and those work where where the land sits inside of a trust, and then the buildings that are on top of it can have some potential income uh, uh, restricted type housing to keep the affordability. And those are two of the models that that I'm studying right now, but. You know, the biggest issue that we've got is the way our financing model's been set up to constantly drive and grow. It it doesn't allow for alignment with these types of neighborhood projects yet. And that's where I'm trying to work with, with Denver and, and other groups is how can we look at the risk models? And, you know, Sinair's done a great job in our region mm-hmm. and, and around the country, quite frankly, of, of doing these community-based projects. But they can only go so far. So we've got to figure out a way to connect it back to the economic engine. That is the, what drives the United States. And, and that's what I'm trying to look at is, is how do we build bridges back across this disconnection that's happened for many years? Right. So, you know, when we look at a multifamily project and why you see a lot of just straight apartments, because much like the FHA 30 year mortgage for a house, a developer, when they build an apartment, can get a 30-year mortgage on an apartment building, but it has to be an apartment building. You can only have very little. It's like 10% mixed use is all that's allowed. Oh. Or or it can't get financed with, with those favorable terms. Oh. So these are the things that have happened over time that if we want to look at affordabilities, we have to, number one, rethink maybe what some of the ownership models look like. And a lot of that gets into securities regulations and things that... Is that like policy changes and things? Yeah, it's going to be a mixture of policy changes and also just understanding uh, the types of developments that people want and getting the information out there and getting the research done that shows that, hey, these default rates uh, on these types of projects aren't what you thought they were when you set these original risk models up Mm. in the 1940s and 50s. And so, and showing the banks and showing the U.S. Treasury that that maybe uh, allowing some different types of programs for financing of these mixed-use projects are good for the community. And if you take the financing on half a million dollars, and I ran this before the interest rate increases, and you do a half a million dollars on a 30-year non-recourse uh, multifamily project, mm-hmm. and you do one on somebody that's doing a mixed-use building. So if you got a restaurant downstairs and apartments upstairs, which there's a lot of buildings like that in Lansing that many of our small businesses are housed in, mm-hmm. you know, over the course of 15 years, there's $142,000 of lost equity on the models that I ran in January wow. uh, for those mixed-use houses. Every 15 years, every half a million dollars of loan value. Now, times that across the United States, and you see how much of the equity is extracted out of our small neighborhoods just based on that one piece, the financing model. Wow. Now, Brent, we could talk and go on and on, but unfortunately, our time is growing near. So (laughs) with that being (laughs) said, is there a little something you'd like to leave with uh, the listeners before we close it out? Your tagline is is what it is the is the best answer the community knows what the community needs and this is where the conversations need to start and mm-hmm. and those facing the issues and getting together and, and building that sense of belonging so you know that, that's that's the the crux of our business and and understanding that and and that's what it'll take and and I'm excited for Lansing as a region because we're um, 
we have a lot of that that grassroots here. So yes. I just think that's exciting, and uh, um, I'm excited for 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 what's going to happen in our future. I, mean, I know we've got got a lot of a lot of issues to tackle, but but I think we're on the right track overall as a community. I, I think we are. I see a movement of people coming out of silos to learn and uh, how to work together a little better. And so that does give me hope. And um, I'm very optimistic about the projects that I see um, going forward, moving forward and 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 um some people taking an interest in, in having uh, these be for the, the needs of the people. And so, I mean, thank you for the work that you're doing. And I'm hoping that we can maybe partner on something and, and um, do something very great for the community. I appreciate you and your work. I appreciate you too. And thank you for the opportunity to be here today. Thank you. And with that being said, I want to thank my listeners for being here again. My name is Giannis Jackson, and I am here for you every Sunday morning, coming to you from Stacks 92.1 FM. I'm your host of the Sunday Chronicle. This is the platform for the community because community knows what community needs. Make it a great day. Again this year, the Chronicle News, through our charitable arm, the Lansing Catalyst, is holding a holiday food and essentials giveaway. This is our annual effort to address hunger in our community. Our giveaway will take place Saturday afternoon, December 17th, from 1 to 4. We have two distribution locations, in North Lansing, at the Advancement Corporation Community Center at 500 East Thomas Street, and on the south end of town, the Pro Style Barbershop at 2120 West Jolly Road. At Lansing Community College, I'm learning for my future. LCC offers one- and two-year pathways to careers in healthcare, IT, manufacturing, and other professional trades. More than 500,000 professional trades jobs will need to be filled in Michigan by 2026. So I know I'm learning for a great career. I belong at LCC. You belong here, too. Visit lcc.edu slash youbelong and enroll today. Have you ever met a single person in your life that enjoys paying taxes? No, no one does. If you can't sleep at night because you have a huge problem with the IRS, I've got some free advice for you. This service is strictly limited to individuals that owe the IRS $10,000 or more in back taxes. And if you qualify, we can guarantee that you won't be writing a big fat check to the IRS or our services cost you nothing. The first 100 people that call today will get a free tax consultation worth $500. Stop worrying about your IRS problem. We can help you. We promise. Call the tax doctor right now. I mean right now to learn more. 800-668-2493. That's 800-668-2493. Do you own a timeshare? Well, face the facts. You made a mistake. You made a bad purchase. A timeshare is not an investment. It's a money pit that continues forever. If you use your timeshare, that's great. But if you don't and you want to legally get out of your contract, call my friends right now at the Timeshare Exit Hotline. They're an experienced team of lawyers who help good people like you get out of a timeshare contract that they just don't want. 
Don't throw away your money on maintenance fees. Use it for things you really want. We can help you end your timeshare contract and stop the money drain immediately. If you are ready to move on with your timeshare, call our team right now. Cancel your timeshare now with a free call. 800-953-0866-800-953-0866-800-953-0866. That's 800-953-0866.